So growing up in Queens, New York, which is not that far from where we are right now in Manhattan, at the age of about 13, my guest today, David Crumholtz, literally stumbled into the world of acting on a lark when he followed friends of his to an open audition, having never acted before, and landed the role soon after found himself on a Broadway stage alongside Judd Hirsch, Tony Shalhoub, and an incredible cast. That launched a decades-long now career in acting and eventually also writing in TV and film with credits that include a five-year run as a lead on the TV show Numbers, so many different appearances on shows like The Good Wife, Law & Order, uh, more recently HBO's uh, show The Deuce, movies like Adam's Family Values, the Santa Claus series of movies, Slums of Beverly Hills, and now in his newest role, he plays a police officer in a really deeply provocative movie called Crown Vic, which we circle around and talk to. So in today's conversation, we dive into this incredible journey, but also zoom the lens quickly out and explore more broadly his love of music and culture and family, his feelings about the acting life and the role of work and his work in his bigger mix of what makes him come alive, the importance of humility and kindness. And then we dive into this really gritty and provocative story behind his new film, Crown Vic, and the tough questions that it asks viewers to consider while kind of leaving no pat answers along the way. Super excited to share this conversation with you. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Good Life Project. deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Sounds like you get into music at a pretty young age also. I'm kind of fascinated by the musical side of you as well. You know, I I I love music and always have and I'm, a, you know, I, I, I love all kinds of music except for like emo, um, <laughs> like, you know, early 2000s emo. But um, the look on your is, face is like, yeah, that's yeah, the one. <laughs> it makes me want to puke listening to it. But um, but I can see why people love it, uh, you know. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I only recently uh, got asked to be in a Grateful Dead cover band yeah. in New Jersey, which really is a – highly acute representation of my midlife crisis. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's been 
really fun. And, uh, yeah, I play bongos and congas and I sing and it's just been crazy fun. I love the Grateful Dead. Uh, it's such a, we're in such a, an intense pocket, uh, in the tri-state area that people don't realize, like, this is really the sort of, uh, unofficial, uh, home of Grateful Dead cover bands of, of deadheads. I mean, Woodstock being nearby and but there's never a lack of – I mean, almost every single night you can find a Grateful Dead cover band nearby somewhere, yeah. playing somewhere. And not all of them are great. And, uh, you know, some of them are just sort of figuring it out as they go. But uh, a couple of them are inc incredible. I mean, really incredible. You know, they recreate the sound or they do something different. There's a band I was playing in briefly called Dead Meat. And <laughs> they do amazing sort of interpretations, funky interpretations of dead songs. And they just throw on a, they just throw a party and it's, it's a lot of fun for people. And you'd be surprised how many people show up. I mean, night after night, you know, Tuesday nights, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's also a testament just to the continuing loyalty and massive size of sort of like the deadhead community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Years after Jerry's passed now, you know, and granted, yeah, so like they're sort of like touring in a different incarnation like mm -hmm. these days well it's, it's there's something addictive about the music I, yeah. you know I, I absolutely and it you know of course the substances that people employ when they listen to the music are also addictive but uh yeah there's something um so unique about it and so uniform about their sound that I think uh either you love it or you, or you you don't no one hates it they just sort of you're either obsessed with it or you or you aren't. Yeah. I mean, it's an obsession. Yeah, no, completely. I mean, it's also, I think it's, it's a combination of the jam vibe and, and the lyrics. I mean, well, I mean, Robert Hunter, who, right. like, was who just behind so many away, lyrics, yeah. just passed, what, September? I guess, yeah, maybe just something a few, like that. a couple months ago. Yeah. Um, what, a, what an incredible testament also that, like, they get, the dead get inducted into the Hall of Fame, mm -hmm. and one guy who is, I don't think he ever actually performed on stage with them, was inducted as them, part of no. the band. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's ever happened before, at least not that I know of. Well, he wrote so many of the yeah. songs. He, you know, um, to me, the, he's the he and Jerry are the greatest lyricists of all time. You, you could argue that Bob Dylan is one, but Bob Dylan covered so much ground yeah. that it was almost overkill. Whereas Grateful Dead lyrics are like Bob Dylan lyrics, but nuanced <laughs> and uh, a little more uh, ethereal. Uh. And uh, they feel like they've been channeled through. I mean, Ripple is one of the greatest poems that's ever, ever been written. Yeah. And and certainly when put to music, it's just extremely profound. So Yeah, no, I agree. Did, I, think, didn't, I think 100 did some stuff with Dylan at one point. Uh, yeah, probably. They, they, Dylan and the Dead also crossed paths right, many yeah. times. So. Anyway, um, we could go down the music pipeline and let's <laughs> come back over here. Okay. Um, so you, you're hanging out. You're growing up um, in a family in mm -hmm. Queens with your mom. Um, Whoa, you've, you've, you've I know all the stuff. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Scary. All right. is that, can I ask you, actually, is that a little bit weird to sort of sit across from people knowing that a, like there are solid windows of your life that are, that are fairly public and yeah. have people like oddly know stuff about you? I stopped caring about it. I, at one point, it was very odd. Yeah. And uh, it's not why I'm in the game. Right. It's not why, I, I, you know, there was a period where I thought, 
oh, well, if I can become well-known and famous, then that's what I will do, you know, with all my, you know, passion, I will become famous. And that was really, a, you know, stupid. I'd much rather be known as reliable. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, it's gotten weird. I mean, the last six months kind of ratcheted up a bit. You know, I think... Sort of people are starting to put together, oh, that guy who was in that was also that guy. And that's a, um, a great re reward. I always wanted to um, be sort of in the league of classic character actors that have amazing range. And so that happening and that and being recognized for that is kind of cherry on the cake. You know, I, I don't... Uh, aspire to much more than that as far as people knowing stuff they know they don't know you know yeah, what i mean it's, it's totally you know i hold the stuff they don't know close to me and i i try to normalize the situation by disarming people i'm extremely humble i i've worked with a lot of actors who aren't and i've i've always from day one sort of bristled at that you know in in seeing it and being part of it you know or being a victim of it uh you know, I, I just never wanted to become that kind of artist. I don't really find what I do so fascinating. Uh, I'd rather, I'm more of sort of an, just more of a, a cosmic existentialist there, thus my love for the Grateful Dead. And 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 I really, uh, it's my job. You know, it's a job. You know, I, I heard Harrison Ford say that once. Someone was like, what is it like being Harrison Ford? Granted, he, you know, all these people are way more famous than I'll probably ever be. And he just said, it's, it's the job. It's part, it's, it's the job. Oh, recently, one of my dear friends who I knew before he became famous, who's essentially iconic now, and I won't name it, I won't drop that name, but he, he's an iconic guy and uh, extremely famous on a level that I don't think I could handle. He recently sort of came to the realization that half his job was handling his fame instead of running from it or hiding or portraying uh, himself as something that he wasn't. And he, you know, the, all the best, all the kindest famous people that I've ever worked with or met have really um, downsized their egos, you know, um, without necessarily balancing it with an inferiority complex, they they find a, a nice balance, which is, you know, a sort of, it takes some serious mindfulness. You know, the a fame is a drug and the first rush of fame is fear, you know. Mm. Um, I remember my friend who I'm talking about, we went, he, he had just sort of exploded and it was maybe a weekend to overnight fame. And we went to a concert together and he got mobbed and he has a black belt in karate, toughest guy amongst us. And I saw genuine fear in his eyes, like fear for his life and fear for people wanting uh, things from him and, and all of a sudden being the center of attention. So it's easy when you're, when it starts with fear to sort of hide or, or convince yourself that you are somehow 
more special or than more special than than anybody and 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 it's a real wicked game to sort of play with yourself and you got to sort of you're the only one who ex- who can extract yourself from it at some point um i i'm not nearly uh, as well known as 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 he is and and like i said i'm not sure i could handle it yeah. i think i'd become an ego monster <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it's such an interesting question. I, I um, not too long ago, I saw the documentary uh, Twenty Feet from Stardom," mm, which right. is fascinating. Like all yeah. the backup singers, um, mm-hmm. I saw it too. It's great. And documentary. yeah, it was so interesting how. But it, it felt like there was almost this thing, like you know, if you're in the music industry and like your job, like the, the ultimate aspiration is to be as big and as forward facing and at the front of the stage as you as possibly exposed, can. Yeah, right. But that's not necessarily. The, everybody's definition of, quote, success in whatever domain, right. especially in the performing arts. Well, there's a leap between being exposed and being exploited. Mm. And most famous people, or a lot of famous people, don't know that they're exploiting themselves, you know, that they've, that they've crossed that line. That, to me, is a nightmare life. I wouldn't ever want to be so desperate for fame and attention that um that i i sort of make uh, a big deal out of everything i do in fact i don't really even like talking about like even right now like you know to be honest with you like i don't mind it i could talk about myself for days i just don't like it you know like i'm at a point now where i really focus try to focus on other people i'm more fascinated i mean that's kind of how i view my job too is i want to know people i don't want i'm a blank slate uh i i just want to get vibes off of people and understand who they are and how they live and it just helps me you know when i'm trying to fashion a very real moment when i'm doing my work you know it just helps me understand the many variables i can sort of delve into you know there's there's so many different types of people and and yet there's something at the core of everyone that's wildly similar so to me that that's a paradox that i'm i'm endlessly fascinated with i mean i love riding subway trains subway cars you know you just people don't have to say a word you get so much off their expressions just watching people behave is fascinating to me always has been you know yeah Yeah. i mean subways is like a, a whole lab study mm-hmm, <laughs> so yeah. I was in the subway on this way down the studio this morning and we're hanging out like typically and you know rush hour people are holding doors any other place any other city you know like the conductor would have gone and say please step back from the doorway mm-hmm. this subway like you hear the hey get out of the door yeah right right <laughs> it's like and you know, like anywhere else people would have been offended would be like what and new york's like no, New York's very special that way. I, you know, it's another reason I came back is I kind of missed the reality of everyday life and uh, and people, the collective consciousness that there is in this city. I really missed it. And uh, yeah, you don't have to work hard to find it. I mean, it sort of always finds you, whether you like it or not, whether you're in the mood for it or not. You know, and eventually people be, you know, if you if you sort of look at, life anthropologically everybody sort of becomes a chimp chimpanzee you know and uh 
you know, it, it's kind of fascinating in, in that regard, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I almost get the feeling that you would have been like a therapist or something like I that. I probably would have been a therapist. I'm still holding, you know, hey, listen, <laughs> you know. Second or third. I, I, or, hey, or, listen, or, I have right. kids and, you know, I'm always, I'm that actor who thinks his last job is his very last job. So I'm always uh, trying to, you know, f- think of what I could possibly do. Uh, and yeah, therapist comes up a lot because yeah. I do like helping people, but that's not easy. None of it's easy. It wouldn't be an easier way out. It would just be some way to keep working. Right. Unemployment and I, we've never gotten along. I've been so gentle towards it. I've handled it with anger and I've handled it with with gentility and neither of those approaches work. I just, it's an incredibly awkward thing. So you know, and I'm I'm lucky in that I'm one of the more employed actors of my generation, and still never enough. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I just like to keep busy. And so, yeah, yeah, sometimes I think about becoming a car dealer or a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could do all three simultaneously: acting, car dealer, car dealing, just yeah, kind of I rotate, could. and then I you have your studies like open. informing one from the other one. That's right. Um, like I wonder in in, in Curious also, I mean, sort of like your lens on your own self-interest and also just the field, the career of acting is due at least in part to how you entered the profession in the first mm. place, which right. it, it doesn't doesn't sound like you were the kid who was groomed like from the earliest days saying, I want to act. It was almost like a lark. Yeah. I And the great thing was my mom sort of from the very first moment let me know this is a fluke. You know, this is not normal. I got really lucky when I was a kid. I got discovered off the street, essentially, without any desire to be an actor. And I found myself with a large, dramatic part in a, in a popular Broadway play. And that was my first job. And then the first few years of my career were just, I was hot and I didn't know it. You know, I had a lot of heat. And then there was a time where I had to choose if I wanted to continue. And that was, that was difficult, you know, realizing, oh, wait, you, you're an actor. And that mm. was a fluke. And you're going to have to work at this and, and deal with periods of unemployment and deal with rejection and all those things. Um, How old were you, like, around that About 17, 18. So still really young. Still really young, yeah. but about to sort of enter into adulthood and, and you know, compete with adults. And so it, it was intimidating. Uh, it's still intimidating on some level. I feel so lucky and privileged to be doing this because I am – a movie buff and I am a film fan and to even, you know, consider myself on some level of filmmaker is, is kind of, it, it just, it's always been humbling to me. And so I feel I owe it to that privilege not to be an asshole, you know, and never to take it for granted and, and keep myself in check. So I do. And I, I, I think that's uh, why I've worked so much. If I, if I can attribute anything, uh, it's that, um, it's that I've, I sort of show up wanting to service the project, not myself, you know. And, yeah, try to, try to do the right thing. I'm always curious also when, um, when you have someone who has spent decades uh, in the field, um, whether it's acting, whether it's, I mean, really anything. Like you start out as a kid especially. Mm. Um, then you enter the mid-years of your life and then, God willing, you like pass that. You know, you change as an individual, you change physically, you change emotionally, you change psychologically. And there's so much about any career that you enter, but I feel like especially performing arts where people kind of like, like, this is your lane. Mm. (laughs) 
you know, and you just like milk it for as long as you like, don't change, don't try and step out of it. But at some point you as a human being change on a level where there's such cognitive dissonance to stay mm. in it. Yeah. Like those moments are really interesting inflection points. Yeah, I'm very much there right now, actually. Yeah. I, you know, lately, well, the diversity mandate, the sort of unwritten diversity mandate has been a wonderful thing for the industry and, and long overdue. And at the same time, I, um, you know, the sort of the white character actor is not necessarily some somebody who works a lot anymore. I'm not um, a model and I, I don't, you know, attract people with my looks necessarily. So, and parts for guys like me are, are going to sort of other ethnicities. And, and again, rightfully so, I just... Um, what ends up happening is, you know, like the last three years, I've played overtly Jewish characters. And I could do that with the back of my head. It's ground I've covered a million times. And so, yeah, does it become stagnating, boring, um, not challenging? Oh, yeah. So, but at the same time, daddy's got to work. And, you know, I, I don't buy into the whole bloated artist perspective. Um, I, I do a job. I'm on this planet to do what I do. I'm lucky to do what I do. It's not a hard job. It's a pain sometimes to have, I always say like, I, I'm, I love being an actor. I kind of hate being a professional actor because you got to hustle so much and you have to, um, you know, skirt expectations and preconceived notions about yourself. And it seems lately that there's been a lot of that, you know, but at the end of the day, if I just keep focusing on working uh, and life becomes so much more than being an artist, I don't live for my art because um, that's really unhealthy, uh, you know, setting yourself up for rejection and or approval based on what you put out rather than who you are. You know, I mean, I'm not my product, even though technically, for all intents and purposes, I am um, separating myself from that. It's, it's, um, it's a daily reprieve, you know, like I have to remind myself every day that I'm more than uh, my job. And it can be difficult when people go, you're the go-to rabbi. Or, you know, have you ever done a Holocaust movie? It's time, you know? <laughs> and it's like, please, someone rescue me from this reality. But again, you know, it, that would be ungrateful of me. And, you know, I, I try to bend myself in ways, even within those characters. I just want to surprise people. And if a character or a role is not allowing me to do that on paper. I try to do it within my performance. So it's the yeah. best I can do. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Good Life Project is sponsored by Lumi. So listen, we have all had those awkward moments where a BO strikes at the worst possible time. I'm often actually out in nature when I'm exercising, so I don't even notice it when I'm out. And then I walk in the door, kind of start to wrinkle my nose, and then I'm like, oh, wait a minute, that's actually me. That is why I'm so thankful I discovered Lumi Whole Body Deodorant. This revolutionary product, it was actually invented by an OBGYN who wanted a solution for her patients struggling with private odor. But Lumi doesn't just work, quote, down there. It provides incredible 72-hour protection for your entire body using mandelic acid. I kid you not, this stuff is a game changer. Lumi is safe and effective for pits, for feet, you name it. And as someone who's tried it, I can attest that it seriously works. The fresh scents are just an added bonus. So if you're ready to say goodbye to BO for good, try Lumi's Starter Pack. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice like mini body wash, and deodorant wipes and free shipping as a special offer for our listeners new customers get five dollars off a lumi starter pack with the code goodlife at lumideodorant.com don't miss your chance to experience the relief of true full body freshness that equates to over 40 percent off your starter pack when you visit lumideodorant.com or just click the link in the show notes and use the code goodlife Good Life Project is sponsored by Quince. So my wife actually originally introduced me to Quince because she loves their clothing and I have been hooked ever since. I literally lived in their Mongolian cashmere ribbed beanie and pullover hoodie pretty much all winter. And as the weather warms up, I wanted more breathable summer pieces without overpaying. And Quince has just the super high quality items like linen shirts, performance polos, activewear at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince partners directly with top factories, cutting out the middleman to pass savings to customers. Actually just ordered a new European linen long sleeve button down shirt. Super excited to get that. And I'm always just so amazed at how they can keep their prices so affordable while the quality remains really high. So if you're looking to upgrade your wardrobe, I highly recommend you try Quince. Go to quince.com slash GLP for free shipping on your order and a 365-day return. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash G-L-P to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash G-L-P or just click the link in the show notes. Trust me, your wardrobe will thank you. So if you do have, you really enjoy it, it's meaningful to you, but that's not that's not your love. Mm. What is your love? Like, what do you wake up in the morning and be like, this is my jam. This is why I'm here. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, my kids are pretty great. You know, having them has, you know, irreparably changed me <laughs> for good or worse. I, I, I mean, it. it's hard being a dad, <laughs> yeah. but it's the best thing I've ever done. Um, my wife is wonderful. Uh, being generous seems to be, my purpose in life, being generous with myself, helping people, that that seems to be much more important uh, 
having perspective, consistently learning, coming from a place of I don't know anything for as much as I know. And I don't really, I can't understand a life where you get to a point where your hubris tells you that you know everything or you're smarter or you're smart enough. To me, there's just an unending search. And within the nothingness of, of, of existence, you know, there's so much. But coming to it from that perspective, saying ultimately, you know, is life meaningless? Perhaps, but transcending the meaninglessness with knowledge of random crap, to me, is really all our jobs because I think the smarter we all are, especially emotionally intelligent, the more emotionally intelligent we all are, the better the world will be, the easier life can be, you know. This country is interesting in the sense that we have so much abundance that we become chronically dissatisfied. <laughs> it's never enough. And really my focus in life is being satisfied with the little tiny things. Nah. It sounds very Zen and I'm not. <laughs> it's, a, it's a goal I'm working towards, but I think awareness is the first step. So. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, the, the the notion of generosity sort of like taking center stage, I feel like that's something that tends to touch down a lot of our lives a little bit later also. But mm. um, I mean, curiosity with you as well is whether that was a seed that was planted early through your mom or, or I know you also had close relationships with grandparents mm. and because the, you come from a family that survived the Holocaust and came here. Yeah. Like, was it was that transmitted to you in terms of values of the way you live your life? Or yeah, so I mean, yeah, a little bit. But really, uh, you know, uh, how do I put this? Uh, um, profound self-hate will really humble you at a certain point. And uh, I've got loads of it uh, and still do and always have. And I've gotten a lot better. Only recently did I come to the place where I said, you know, I'm going to, I'm sick of worrying about myself Been worried about myself my whole life. It's so self-involved and probably why I'm a good actor. But, you know, um, for me, uh, you know, having cancer was a big one. Yeah, I had a nervous breakdown in 2000 and, uh, when was it? 2010. The day after I got married, I kind of freaked out and it lasted for nine months. Got became full on shut in or agoraphobic for nine months. That'll, that really did it. <laughs> and I'm able to laugh at it now. But yeah, I've, uh, I've had a spot of cancer, just a spot. And, um, that that was, and it. that was all around the same time also. All around the same time, yeah. Right. In fact, the, the two are probably related because it was thyroid cancer. And, right. and so my thyroid wasn't working well. And as a result, I uh, was very, very depressed, uh, wildly depressed. And, um, and then recently, my dad passing uh, was a huge rite of passage that we all sort of have to go through at some point. And I, I took everything I could out of it, you know, in terms of asking why and answering with 
understanding rather than with rage and anger and hurt. Again, anthropologically looking at my dad passing away, you know, was fascinating to me. Uh, and it kind of made me um, just so much more grateful for having had him and then everything I have with now that he's gone. Um, yeah, I'm one of those guys that just believes that getting up after falling down is is required. You know, you, you, I would never want to get stuck in a rut. I, I'm still evolving, you know. I don't want to think I'm not. And, you know, there are certainly days where I freak out still. And um, it's it's like I said, it's a daily reprieve. I got to sort of work on it every day or else I'll go completely insane. And I'm only halfway there so far. So <laughs> yeah, But you, you dropped the word, which is awareness, which I think mm -hmm. is sort of like it's the heartbeat of everything. Well, and acceptance too, you know, yeah. accepting life as a whole rather than what's happening to you in the moment. I'm a big believer in natural law, you know. How so? Thing, things are going to happen. <laughs> so it's kind of like if it, it if it happens, that's the way it was supposed if to it be. If it happens, it, was, it happened. You know, like you can't, uh, not everything is indicative of anything, you know. Things just happen. Change is constant. It's reliable. I know it sounds so like loose and thin, but I like it that way. I'd rather that than have to follow a set of rules yeah. or I mean, it's have kind any of, preconceived notions about it's what kind of like life the, should be. Right. It's like the universal truth, really. I mean, for all of us. I think we all hate it because it means um, this is a Tibetan Buddhist teacher, um, mm -hmm. Chokum Trumpa, who I'll get the quote wrong, but said essentially, um, you know, the bad news is, is that you're falling. Um, mm. Nothing to stop you, nothing to hold on to. The good news is there's no ground. <laughs> right. There's no ground. It's true. You know, you can go as deep as you'd like, you know. And sometimes there's buffers along the way. There's family and friends, support that kind of keep you floating rather than falling really fast. And uh, But yeah, I mean... We're floating. It's crazy. This makes no sense. None of it makes sense. And to try to make sense of it is I futile. I believe me, I did that <laughs> for nine months of a nervous breakdown, trying to figure out why the, why the sun comes up and the moon uh, replaces it. You know, it's just futile. You got to transcend the meaninglessness. Yeah. You got to, you have to, or else, you know, if you're me at least, you know, and it's about accepting it. It's, it's accepting it that, you know. The best you can do with your time is influence other people to do the best with their time. And it's it's a domino effect, you know. Yeah. You know. How Thank did, God for mortality. Yeah. You know? well, Steve <laughs> this Jobs got really deep, right, man. It's right? <laughs> like just step right into the deep yeah, end of well, the pool. I just woke up. Um, no. <laughs> it's like off the right eye. Though. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean I mean curious also because you're it, that same thing that basically opened the door to your career also mm -hmm. introduced you to a guy who seems like from the outside looking in at least became a, a really a long-term mentor, Judd Hirsch, mm. who had already had this astonishing long career. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess my curiosity is, you know, as we sit here, we kind of like explore these ideas, like how that relationship over time has 
has affected you or influenced you and the way that you see yourself, you evolve within your career and just basically everything? Well, you know, the thing about Judd is there's just, uh, there's just a confidence rather than a preparation. Mm. You know, the first job I did, he played my father and he'd be on stage for two and a half hours straight monologues nonstop. He ended up winning the Tony award for best actor for that performance. And he made it look easy. And for him, it was because he's just confident and because he understood what he understood. He never pushed himself outside. He never challenged himself because he thought people will see it. It took me a long time and only recently have I come to the point where I don't look like I'm trying too hard. Mm. You know, where I'm, I don't look like I'm thinking, you know. I used to... Now I look back at some of my older work and I'm like, God, you know, you're looking right at the camera. You're looking right into the camera. And people who watch with me go, what are you talking about? No, you're not. And I'm like, no, I am though. I'm aware of that camera. And only recently have I been able to sort of lose myself. And it's a confidence thing that Judd, I think, was born with. He'd probably say no, but he's just, he's like a bull. He's just a big dude physically and loud booming voice naturally i have the opposite i'm not i'm kind of i've come from a very sort of i'm a little p attitude you know and so sort of winging it is way more fun than over preparing and some actors desperately need to prepare you know i just uh I don't know. I, I, I just like doing it. And I feel like that's enough. If you see that I love it while I'm doing it, then that's what you really want to see. That's what audiences are looking for, passion. And uh, I have no qualms, uh, no guilt about saying that there's many mornings I show up to film and I have no idea what my lines are. No idea. I haven't even looked at them. I know that sounds terrible, but it works for me. No one's yeah, but it, complained it, too much. But so. it's interesting. And it also kind of ties in with what you were saying before about the idea of getting really comfortable stepping into like Joseph Campbell's Abyss, this place where you don't know what's going to happen. Hmm. Everything isn't completely and utterly dialed in. And there's, right, well, there's this fear, there's also, there's an electricity about that. Right. And, and recently working with Maggie Gyllenhaal yeah. on the deuce was like, oh, man, it was, it was, it was the quintessential chemistry experiment that never, that always kept giving positive results. And her and I, we buzz we just buzzed together. And from day one, we knew it. We actively spoke about it. And we said, let's never work too hard on this because the harder we work to make the buzz happen, it won't happen. And um, it it just happens to, that she's one of the greatest actors that ever lived and possibly and arguably the greatest alive in my opinion because i've seen her do things that are jaw dropping and she prepares like crazy we just have different styles but she's she comes from the place of let's not make choices 
and she's not perfect at it. There have been times where I've had to say to Maggie, hey, you're making making choices. And she's obviously had to say that to me because that was sort of a, a comfort zone I relied on for a long time was make a choice, you know. And it's just, it's a lot more real, a lot more profound, a lot more touchable and feelable and accessible when you're just giving it your all in the moment. It's like sports. You know, you can plan a play, but there's so yeah. many variables. You might as well just throw it, see what happens, and uh, hope that the editor will use the right one. <laughs> you know, I did a movie a couple of years ago called Hail Caesar, yeah. Coen Brothers movie, which is very much about that. And in fact, it's, it's very obviously about that. There's a moment at the end of the film where George Clooney delivers a monologue and it's, you know, this was before they, you know, were shooting films from 18 different angles or a scene from 18 different angles. There was just the one shot on George Clooney and he had to nail it and he nails it, but he messes up his last line, flubs his last line and the whole thing goes to garbage. And you see all the crew react and he reacts with disappointment, but then you just try again. And the second take isn't necessarily as good as the first, but, you know, ultimately it comes down to what seems wildly prepared and glamorous and polished is just someone doing their job, you know, it's just someone doing their, I, I do my job I show up to work. They tell me to do something and I do it and I try not to piss anyone off. I try to make it better. It's really, I just like you know, keeping it extremely simple. Mm. I also learned a bit of that. Like I took some upright citizens brigade classes yeah, yeah. later in my career, like, and only a few years ago and just learning not to think and to trust myself, hearing my own voice helps me be in the moment more. And also having created a series and been on that end, you know, writing, producing, right. that that was such an eye-opening experience for me. One that I may never, ever do again. Because yeah. it was so, well, it took me past my limit, but. I mean, as a, as a writer or just. As, a, as an everything, as yeah. a human being, you know. I mean, I, I did challenge myself. I put myself in four and a half hours of prosthetic makeup every day yeah. and improv the whole thing. But I'm proud of that show. And then, you know, no one watched it. No one knows about it. And I go into rooms and I pitch other shows and people go, wait, you produced a show? This is, and I'm like, yeah, it was on TV and everything. Um, what, what's, what's the Jones to step into the writing slash production slash direction side of it? Well, because it, no one. Can, no, sure, no, I mean, is it to literally create the the stories and the roles for you? I, I want to be someone, I want my kids to look back and say, this guy worked his butt off at one point at mm. least. And I also, so that's one. And two, I feel that I'm too many things for to rely on the industry to recognize. And so if I'm just meant to, you know, wear hats and, and pay us and be a Hasidic Jew and everything. It'd be, you know, then I, then I'm, then I'm, it's on me to sort of, um, upend that. And so, yeah, 
Uh, it's pretty much why every actor starts writing is they they see something in themselves that perhaps the industry can't see or doesn't see or you know isn't isn't something that'll make money necessarily. You can't put a value on it. Uh, so I I prefer at least trying. I mean, you know, the show I created, the show Gigi does it. That that show was the one thing and uh i'm proud of it you know i'm i'm really proud of it i actually did something you know it's i worked my butt off and i and it, and it, it was funny you know we achieved the goal you know so that's that's fine Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I think it's interesting also, you see swings in every industry and I feel like, you know, there was this time where sort of like TV was in its golden age and then mm. like film has really took predominance and then I think the last, it feels like the last five, six, seven years, maybe longer, maybe even since sort of like The Sopranos, like mm -hmm. sort of came to, like it profoundly changed what people thought was possible in terms mm. of the stories that could be told and funded and produced mm. in TV. And I feel like there's now, you know, like you, you have effectively you know, like all these studios who are doing stunning stuff on a smaller screen right. and pushing the edge on a way that, that sometimes is harder to do on a large screen. Although, interestingly, your, your, your new movie, Crown Vic, mm. maybe argues the other thing. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I think it's a very... A powerful film because of its ambiguity, which is something that TV uh, ambiguity toward its subject matter, no. which is something that TV has done really, really well now for a few years, and yet we're so used to the formula of a film having a happy ending, you know, three act structure, conflict in the middle, you know, and here is a film that sort of takes 
a bit of a more television approach in that it has an anti-hero as its as its um protagonist and you know really allows the viewer to question his or her own perspective on the subject matter rather than sort of politicizing it or shoving it down down people's throat the, the film is is wonderfully ambiguous uh, about a very very touchy subject i mean yeah, police set, brutality right set the scene a little bit yeah so um uh, crown vic plays takes place in current day la it's it's essentially a ride along that's why it's called crown vic because the car car <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, a ride along with a veteran police officer who's found his way into some trouble uh training a police officer on his very first day on patrol and it happens to be what will probably end up the worst day on patrol that this kid will ever face his very first day everything that can go wrong and wild and unexpected sort of happens and um he has to rely on this older police officer to guide him ethically through it all and the police officer is thomas jane's character is reluctant to do that so, uh, and so the film just sort of is a, 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 a look into the possibilities, the variables, the unexpected truths of being a police officer in a city, in a, in a city full of crime and what it takes to be that person and what how the job ends up changing those people. Luke Kleintank's character, who is the younger police officer on his first day, sort of has to very quickly decide where his ethics lay. And I would imagine it's a question that burdens every police officer. And he gets some hard truths in the process. He, he has to face some hard truths about his own family even because his father was a police officer, brother. And so it really hits home. And it's a job you really can't freak out at. You're not allowed to, to throw down your gun and badge and say, I need a break. I need a moment. And as a result, a lot of times that break, that moment comes in the wrong manifestation becomes police brutality toward toward criminals um i'm a big believer in mandatory psychological evaluations for police officers weekly all over the country um i think in service to them not just to the community it makes me very sad to see police officers uh brutalizing people on camera it makes me sad for both parties and the movie is about really that sadness the, the situation we're all in right now especially with cameras sort of i mean police officers are forced to wear cameras themselves and the movie's gotten a very very strong reaction which is exactly what the filmmakers wanted joel souza who wrote and directed it it's exactly what he was looking for is 
you know, he doesn't want to, there's no applause for the effort. There's, we don't want that. We want people to reevaluate their view of police brutality and police in a whole way. Not, we're not asking anyone, the movie doesn't ask anyone to take sides. I play the lackey police officer to a wildly brutal uh, renegade cop who is doing the wrong thing. And I'm sort of there kind of encouraging him to do it and having a lot of fun with it, in fact. And even that character and even our characters are not, we're not given the typical movie bad guy vibe. You kind of see us break. Certainly Josh Hopkins, who, who plays um, the wild cop, he breaks at a certain point. You see him as a human being a broken human being shattered by the job and shattered by his own, um, his own anger and rage. And, and so it's, it's, you know, what we've heard overwhelmingly from the police community is that it's a very accurate description of sort of the psychological throes of being a police officer and in that way very much needed. But again, it doesn't take sides which angers a lot of people. And uh, what isn't, what is, what's better than a controversial film? I mean, to me, those are the kinds of films I want to see. I'm not into melodramas or, or, you know, goofy comedies or horror movies. I'm into stuff that really pushes my buttons. Um, and that's what this film does. It, it, it makes you think. You kind of have to. It doesn't, you have no choice but to make, because the film doesn't take sides, you have no choice but to, to either remain ambiguous or become ambiguous or take a side. And so we leave it in the audience's hands. It's, it's very much open for interpretation. Yeah, it's a disquieting film. No, very much so. No doubt. And, you, and like you said, there's no standing ovation at the end, and that's not no. the intention of it. No. The intention is sort of to, to make you think. Mm -hmm. um, and to, and, and to realize to a certain extent, you know, there's, cause we all, we all do want to define clear, like that we want a clear delineation. We want a good and evil. We want a this and that, mm -hmm. you know, um, the reality is that's not life. Um, right. it's, it's much more complex and we love to label people as good or bad. Right. Um, and I, I think I've yet to meet the human being who is not some way got elements of all of them and circumstance, stress, pressure, violence, whatever it may be, plays a huge role in what side emerges and how contained or off the rails it ends up going. Mm -hmm. That's but. exactly, that's a great summation of it. I mean, and it's grounded with incredible performances. I mean, Thomas Jane as Ray is really jaw-droppingly, uh, almost blood-curdlingly real. Nah. and brilliant in that uh, respect. Um, he's just a tremendous actor, always has been, and so he just brings another uh, to another level. Yeah, I mean, and, and for you, like you were saying earlier, like one of your deep fascinations is really exploring the human condition, why we do what we do and behave the way we behave. Participating in that from the inside out must have been kind of fascinating too. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, it, you jump at a chance, or if you're me, you jump at a chance to make something that, you know, um, can be as 
profoundly disquieting as this film. There's just, you know, like I said, there's not a lot of that going on uh, in film. There's a lot of that happening in television. And so, yeah, you know, the the fact that it's not episodic, the fact that it's a one-piece, you know, hour-and-a-half film kind of adds to its disquieting nature at the end of it. You're kind of like, well, that's it. The story doesn't continue. It's over. What happens to these police officers? You don't get to know. That's that's up to you to figure out. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of, kind of really – it just works. You know, it's so nice to make a – independent i've made so many independent films for next to nothing budgets that you know end up kind of this half disappointing or you know this one in my opinion is through the roof great especially knowing what was put into it to make it great it 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 it, it achieves on all levels in my opinion i'm very proud to be in the film yeah so as we zoom the lens out we're sitting here uh recording this um shortly before the movie premieres actually mm-hmm. and you're you're out there talking about it and sharing it, um, but also I would imagine at a point where you're, you're also exploring what's next for me. And sort of like the, it sounds like you're also, as you shared earlier, sort of a bit of an inflection point in your life. So the name of this is Good Life Project, you know. So mm-hmm. within this container of the Good Life Project, if I offer up the phrase to live a good life, what comes up? Uh, staying sober, clean, accepting love. Uh, the truth of love. That's that's what I work on, and that's to me the most important thing. You know, you know, it's it's so cheesy to say, but it it's uh, and it's cliche, I guess, at this point. But it's like the Beatles lyric: uh, "There's nothing you can do, but you can learn how to be you in time." It's easy. All you need is love. And uh, it's just wildly true. It's just, you know, in in a time where we're all trying to figure out what the truth is and being told the truth is not what it is, that's just the basic truth. You know, you just, there's there's nothing we can do but learn how to be us in time. Mm. So that's it. Thank you. You got it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Woohoo. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks also to our fantastic sponsors who help make this show possible. You can check them out in the links we have included in today's show notes. And while you're at it, if you've ever asked yourself, what should I do with my life? We have created a really cool online assessment that will help you discover the source code for the work that you're here to do. You can find it at sparkatype.com. That's S-P-A-R-K-E. T-Y-P-E.com or just click the link in the show notes. And of course, if you haven't already done so, be sure to click on the subscribe button in your listening app so you never miss an episode. And then share, share the love. If there's something that you've heard in this episode that you would love to turn into a conversation, share it with people and have that conversation. Because when ideas become conversations that lead to action, that's when real change takes hold. See you next time.